Hello, welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat podcast. Don't forget to subscribe um, so that we drop into your phone every week and uh, you won't miss an episode. Also, um, if you'd like to see what happens behind the scenes and watch the show live, you can do it on YouTube. We're live from 8pm every Tuesday in New Zealand time. And uh, obviously the recording will be on YouTube as well. You can also um, join in the discussion um, on Twitter. The questions are put out on the at Driving Mall uh, Twitter handle, uh, and you can put replies in there as well. So whichever way you want to join in, please do. Um, we always are up for a good old rugby chat. Joining me this week is my regular team members. I have Mike. How are you doing, sir? Good, mate. It's good to be back again. Thank you. And Will from Rugby Numbers. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, well, I guess I'm half sad and half relieved that the Super Rugby season's over, but uh, looking forward to chatting about it tonight. Oh, dear, half sad. Well, yes, yeah, so I guess the relief side is definitely part of there. And um, oh, joining us from Australia, um, we have Simon from Gainline Analytics. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for joining us. Uh, yes, yeah, very good. Thank you very much. And it's a pleasure joining you all. So this week, we're going to do something a bit different. Instead of having five questions, what we're going to do is we're going to review each of the conferences uh, and give each of the teams a different grade. Now, myself and Mike will be using our expert opinion um, and uh, putting our finger in the air going, yep, they would deserve X grade uh, from our years of watching rugby. Um, but Will and Simon will be taking different approaches, being analytical people. So, um, Will, why don't you just give people a quick overview as to how rugby numbers works and uh, your, your analytics from there. Sure. So um, simply put, uh, I have a statistical model that looks at the past results. Um, it goes through each match and adjusts the scores to reflect the strength of the teams involved. So scoring a lot of points against a weak team, they'll have their score reduced slightly and vice versa. And then I uh, run a model that um, makes predictions on match outcomes based on how teams with similar rankings have performed in the past. And it seems to work pretty well. It's set at about 80% um, correct this season. And I can also use those same numbers to rank the teams, which I do on a scale of uh, 0 to 100, uh, which I call the Rugby Power Index. And so very strong teams like the Crusaders or the Hurricanes will be up in the 80s, and weak teams like the Sunwolves and the Rebels will be down sort of below 20. Uh, so that's uh, just the quick overview of, of how it works. Cool. And Simon, our special guest, is joining us from Gainline Analytics. Now, they're an uh, analytical um, consultancy who get involved in sports and business teams. And he'll be, uh, so how does that all work, please, Simon? Yeah, so we um, we rank, uh, or we assess teams using um, a different methodology. So we use it, we rank teams using um, recruitment philosophy. So we've got some metrics that we've developed around how teams are uh, recruiting players and, and, um, and around that. So we've developed some metrics and the, and the main ones, what we call TWI, Teamwork Index. So, um, so it's basically a, a, a measurement of a team, a, a team's ability or capacity to perform based on how they recruit. So, and when we say recruit, we're not re we're not necessarily using a skill uh, of individual players, but it's more of a, a measurement of what the collective output of the team will be. So, uh, so what we do, for example, with the Super Rugby season, as the se before the season kicks off, we've got all the all the squads of the teams, and then we put our measures together uh, and identify where. Um, how, how the teams are going to perform um, based on how they've recruited in the off-season. So, um, uh, so that's what we do across Super Rugby and, and Rugby League and other sports as well. So, 
Yeah, my understanding of it is that it, what you're doing is you're putting into numbers what a lot of us uh, intuitively know um, about talking about when we talk about teams and combinations. So when the, when the Lions came over, for example, a lot, a lot of the talk around how Gatlin would choose his team was which combinations of players he would choose. Um, so because players um, who know how to play with each other um, will be in the right place at the right time, and so they'll play better um, and that kind of thing. It's, it's, that, it's that kind of concept uh, is, if I'm putting it in a lay, layman's terms. It is, and, and, and the way you say it, I mean, it does sound like a um, very much common sense. Um, what we've done is put that put that common sense into into data, um, and it still it still does sound like common sense. But ninety five percent of most professional sporting teams still get it wrong. So um, we are trying to um, create this uh, this common sense um, uh, version of uh, of how to put teams together. Uh, but obviously, we can back it up with a with a lot of data. Yeah, and data that's not uh, influenced by bias and emotion, hopefully. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. And obviously, with um, when you look at individual players, there's a lot of bias and a lot of emotion um, that goes along with um, how players um, should, how people think they should be performing on the on, on the pitch. Cool. So um, I've asked each of the guys to give me a grade from A, B, C, or D for each of the teams, uh, and. The, the idea around this was grading the teams by how compared to how you expected them to perform at the beginning of the season. So that doesn't mean just because someone came top, they would be an A, and someone who would come last would be a D, because that team that came last may have performed much better than expected, even though they did come last. So that's how we've done it. And uh, let's we're going to jump in with Africa A. Now let me try to um, share my screen. I've gone and chose clicked on the wrong uh wrong one um screen share yeah uh so the anyway um, I've, i'll get up in a second but so africa a is stormers cheetahs bulls and sunwolves and that's the order that they finished the um the season in uh with the uh and if we just go through i ranked the stormers a b mike gave them a c rugby numbers gave them a b and gain line analytics also gave them a B. Now I B, um, and then if we go up down to the cheetahs, um, I gave them a B. Uh, Mike gave them a D. Uh, um, Will gave them a B, and gain analytics gave them a C. Now this is actually the first one I want to touch on because we all gave the Stormers about this, about, this, about what we they performed as we expect, uh, pretty much as expected at the top of the conference, making it into the finals. But I'm a bit surprised to see Gainalytics give the cheaters a C. A lot I know that from my point of view, I expected them probably to come last or or, or, or behind the bulls. So why do they get a C as opposed to because because you didn't give anyone a D in this? This is the lowest ranking you gave them. Um, how can they get a C as opposed to uh, a B when we think they sort of performed ahead of how the, how they would normally do? Yeah. So um, from 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 our rankings, uh, the way we looked at the teams the fact that the majority of the teams perform to expectation um, um, that's why the, the our, our rankings weren't necessarily um, a through to D um, so we fully expected um, the cheaters to probably perform better than they should based on their numbers based on what we've seen other teams perform with the same metrics now of course the the way we look at it is obviously we've got a long-term measure and that's TWI. So TWI for us, Teamwork Index, is a really good long-term long measure of performance. So, for example, three years ago, it identified the Lions as a team that was going to, that was hitting 
um, all the right markers. And obviously the Lions have, have managed to the last couple of seasons come up. And so the Cheetahs for us was a team that was in for us in a similar position what the Lions were about three years ago. So um, that's why we expected them to probably to perform better than they did. However, it, look, it does come down to what happens in season. If there's a lot of churn in the team in, in, in season, then and then that's going to affect performance. But but for us, we expected the Cheetahs probably to perform better, better than they did. Um, however, that's not saying that they need to suddenly tear it up, tear up what they're doing, because I think they're in a pretty good trajectory. And if they can hold it together, new season coming up, then they should be able to perform pretty well. And Mike, what was, cause we diametrically opposite here. I have seen the Cheetahs be a poor team for many, many years, so I gave them um, a B because I thought they overperformed. You obviously had some high expectations for them going into the season. What, what what gave you that idea? Yeah, it was it was based around, uh, like I said, it was based around you know, the way we the way we looked at the way they put their team together and the way they sourced their players, and the and essentially the cohesion that they could they brought into the Cheetahs from their feeder teams. Um, and like I said, it was very similar to what we saw with the Lions three years ago. So that's why we're expecting um, the performance. Now it is—it's quite an inexperienced group. So, um, um, so for our the way we've looked at it, and the, the way we've seen teams in the similar situation go, um, the expectation is that, that that group will quickly come together. They just didn't come together as quickly as what we thought for this season. Yeah, no, Mike, you gave them a D. Uh, so you, you, you had a big high expectations as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I thought the South African teams would, as a whole would probably do a wee bit better this season than, than they did. Um, but yes, the Lions made a final and Sharks weren't too bad and neither were the Stormers. But um, I certainly don't bring into it the, uh, the sides that, that my two, uh, two mates here do. Uh, but it's really just uh, um, based on a hunch, and I guess you know I, I looked at the the cheetahs and didn't make the finals, and and uh, yeah, did the D. Yeah, I must. Admit, I mean, the cheetahs did um, win the Curry Cup last season uh, undefeated. Yeah. They're going well in the Curry Cup as well, and that's where the Lions also built their um, uh, their their sort of grounding from. So I can see where the why, why we can see them on an upward trajectory. Mm. Um, a lot of us, uh, the, the other one that jumps out clear uh, here at the last two, um, obviously, uh, on the analytics point of view, the, the, the Bulls and the Sun Wolves, by the looks of things from game line analytics, uh, had lots of, have uh, um, not had a stable environment and therefore they're expected to do badly, um, and they kind of did. Uh, for the, the Bulls, I don't know, for a lot of us, we think we still think of them as being that team that has won this, the, the Super Rugby Championship more than any other South African team, um, and they should carry that uh, through. And I think that's where, where my D, D grade came from. Um, and the Sunwolves, I was hoping to see more of an uplift because uh, last season, let's be honest, they had two weeks uh, preparation time. This season, they had a bit more preparation. Sure, it was a new coach again, uh, but at least they had more time to think about things and plan things. Um, and I thought they would get a bit, do a bit better than they I was hoping they would do it better than they, than they actually did. But rugby numbers, you seem to think that uh, they've that you've seen a step up from last season uh, from their performances or the results at least. The sorry, we're talking about the Bulls, the Sun Wolves. Yeah, no, I was going to say uh, the Bulls were 
Uh, dreadful. Um, the Songwolves, yeah, I mean, based on expectations, I think they exceeded them. Um, they were actually one of the three teams that our preseason forecast um, uh, correctly called their win-loss record for the whole season. Um, so they, you know, they won um, and lost just exactly what we we forecast they would. Although, admittedly, it took a pretty uh, phenomenal upset in the final round um, to get that second win. Um, and they saw a slight improvement in their RPI ranking over the season. So I just thought that they slightly exceeded our expectations. I gave them a B. Oh, the so, um, and uh, some the, the someone giving them an A for oh actually I guess we should probably start with the Bulls giving them a B there. You're you're two grades higher than the rest of us. We all thought they were and is is that part of the uh, what I guess what we were talking about earlier the emotional attachment to the to the name that's that's impacted us. You think? Um, well, it 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 may be for you guys, but I mean for us, um, it was really. Uh, a case of the Bulls, the nature of their squad. Um, and, and, and this is probably plays into what you're saying about, you know, we think of the Bulls of the of the late 2000s and um, that Bulls team that was half the Springboks team. Um, but but now um, they're very much on a case of a re rebuild. They've got a very young, exper inexperienced group. So um, they go to, you know, they pretty well performed to capacity this season, so there was there was no huge surprises um, in that uh, for for the balls for us. It's just a case of again, it, it's a case of making sure they they stick to their guns and give them a bit of time. And that's something that uh, we don't see so much down south uh, because obviously losing players to Europe happens a lot. Whereas it's something you can see something more. I, I, I sort of get an appreciation for more in the view of Premiership, where different uh, where where sides do. Uh, grow over a number of seasons. You look at people like Exeter Chiefs and Saracens, for example. But let's move on to um, Africa 2. This is um, the Lions, the Sharks, the uh, Hagiwaris, and the Kings. And here you go. Here's the, it's going to slide up on, on uh, YouTube. So the Lions, pretty much across the board, all of us thought they did pretty well. Um, I gave them an A. Uh, Mike gave them a B, and Rugby Numbers gave them an A, and did sort of Genline Athletics. Clearly, making a final was a good season for them. Uh, losing Ron Ackerman is going to be is, is going to hurt them, as also some players. Um, but overall, uh, I think a very good season for them. Any kind of highlights anyone wants to pull out? Well, I think the Kings um, were spectacularly good compared to expectations this season. Um, there were a couple of teams uh, across the competition who were facing the cup at the end of the season and some of them responded by really lifting their game and some of them responded by just giving up it seemed but the Kings I mean uh, I think the best I've managed in the past was perhaps uh, 16th or 17th on the table and this this year they came in 11th which was ahead of the Waratahs who are champions from a few years ago and they just, in every measure that we have at Rugby Numbers, exceeded them. They won more matches than we thought they would. Uh, they um, finished much higher on the table than they did. And they showed the biggest improvement uh, of any team in our Rugby Power Index rankings. On a scale of 1 to 100, they increased their ranking by 22 points. So I thought that was just an A effort. Uh, what else could you give them? Well, um, I thought they improved a lot over the season. Uh, and uh, as you say, it, 
one of the one of those teams where as soon as there was talk about them getting cut, they got galvanised and brought the team together, um, which is interesting. The um, and as uh, Mike, you must be well impressed with them because the, the you only gave one team an A, so this is as high ranking as you gave everyone else. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were the supreme example of, like, what rugby numbers just said, you know, like, facing the cut and, and choosing to come together as a group, and that, that showed in the way they played uh, their games, and, and the result was just as one thing, but, you know, it's the way that you win, and, and they were actually quite close to getting an A for me as well. And they, talking about the, the uh, different, different side to it, which is Hagi Warriors, where we've all, well, most of us have ranked them down. Um, I've given them a C because I thought they, they started the season well and then ran out of steam um, very quickly after about the fourth, I think it was like the first one for the first five games um, and then uh, really struggled at home, losing to the Force and losing to the um, the Brumbies. Now, um, Simon, you've given them a B. For a team that's supposed to be the Argentinian national side who should be playing together a lot, um, Surely they should be performing more than this if they should have all this, the, all the all the connections between the players already. Yes. Now, you, you, logic would dictate that, but but the nature of the way they put their squad together and the nature of the way they use their squad over the course of the season does not help them, and that's why um, that's why I marked them down or gave them a B. So, um, and this is unfortunately for them, this is part of the parcel of of coming out of South America and the amount of churn that they have in their squad. And it doesn't necessarily allow the, the on-field cohesion over the course of the season to develop as much as the other teams. And so having those guys come in um, and that rotation over the course of the season works against them. Also, yes, I mean, a lot of these guys have, have played together in the, in the, in the um, Pumas, but the other thing to remember is that before the Jaguars, they were the diaspora of Argentinian rugby around the world and that also um, they still haven't got over that as well and so that's so that's a factor that does that hasn't allowed them yet um, to really gel on the field. Paul um, I'd just like to call out a couple of Twitter comments um, that have come in while we've been talking. Uh, Hugh Rothwell in, uh, just basically sums up our, our grades on this slide he says Lions great, Sharks okay, Jags inconsistent but entertaining Kings, big improvers and exciting to watch on their day. I think that pretty much summarises it. And uh, NZ Rugby Quizzes also says, um, uh, well, they said that the Jaguars, the Jaguares are a success story, which uh, I'd like to see um, something to back that up. Uh, Lions excellent, but helped by no New Zealand trip this year and that this conference was the better of the two conferences. So I think, I think we uh, all agree that this was probably the stronger conference with the better performing teams of the two African ones. Uh, not entirely sure I agree that the Haguares were a success story this season um, and uh, Lions certainly excellent and I don't know if we want to rehash the argument about um, whether they should have faced any New Zealand teams or not the, the Kings for us is, the Kings is a classic example I mean that as the, as the, 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 the tweet said that the Kings are great on their day and that's a really good example of, of what we call a low cohesion team that they're very very volatile one day they can absolutely turn it on, but another day they can be horrendous. Um, and for the Kings this year, they had they had a few more days where they managed to turn it on um, than those horrendous days. So, but 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 when you do have when you when you do have a sort of a low cohesion team like that, it's just not sustainable over the long term. The um, 
Yeah, but I, I think we saw them. They, they had a lot of turnover at the end of the last season. They've having. They, it looks like they've lost a lot of players at the end of this season as well, which is going to which is going to impact them on the in, in the Pro 14. Uh, I think there's talk about them being lent players from a lot of other sides, which means they're going to have a, a hard time uh, carrying this through. Uh, but in looking at the points views, points point, points point of view, and the Kings came finished above the um, Cheetahs from memory. Uh, sorry, I don't have the. I should have the table in front of me, um, which would have put them second in the other conference. To me, that has got to be a, a sign of success that they would have come second uh, in the Africa One conference compared to this conference, and that's a big. To me, that would be uh, a big, um, big step up. Uh, the one we've not really talked about much, and um, I'm just going to quickly brush it, is, is the Sharks, because they pretty much uh, were in agreement here that they, um, with the BCBB, is that they pretty much hit, the, hit, hit their potential. Um, now, if they'd managed to upset the Lions, uh, then perhaps they'd have got a, uh, an upgrade, but otherwise they just hit, they just sort of got that. Um, they were just par um, for the season, hence the, the B. I think, don't think there's anything else. Um, around them really much to, to say there. No, I'd agree with that. Uh, pretty much the the perfect example of a team that performed exactly as expected. I think they win-loss record was exactly what uh, we forecast it to be. Um, and we also had them making the quarterfinals but not proceeding any further. That's, again, exactly what happened. Um, and so I don't see how they can be anything other than just sort of a, a B for average, right? No better, no worse. Exactly, and I think the conference is going to cause a lot of the discussion, or, or a lot of surprise around some of the, um, the 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 grades here is going to be the uh, Australian conference, um, and so hence uh, let's move on to that one there. Um, for those on the podcast, let me just quickly read these out because uh, we'll be going through these. Um, obviously, this is the Brumbies, Force, Waratahs, Reds, and Rebels, um, and uh, you're going to get a, a theme first up. I thought the Brumbies got were, were an A. Mike went C. Uh, rugby numbers went C, Gayline Alex went B for the Brumbies. And I'll just run through the letters in order. Force was A, C, A, A. Waratahs, C, D, D, B. Reds, D, D, B, B. And then Rebels, C, D, D, B. One of the things you'll notice there is that every single one of those, um, the the last letter is is one of the highest. Um, it shows that I think there's going to be a be a analytical piece here uh, that's going to differ from our um, emotional uh, response to this. Let's kick off with the Brumbies. I mean, this is one will that you wanted to, to me to explain. So um, the reason I've given them an A is I thought the Brumbies came into this season having lost some a lot of experience. So they lost Pocock, um, they lost uh, Stephen Moore, um, they lost uh, they had um, Christian Leofano out with uh, with his leukemia. And also, I think Matt Tumua is an ex-Brumby, isn't he, as well? So they lost a lot of experience from this side. And to me, this is supposed to be a, a rebuilding um, season for them. And uh, so to top their conference in a rebuilding season, I thought was an A effort. Um, I had them finishing either um, third or fourth, uh, is my expectations. Yeah, I mean, they, they won their conference, but not very convincingly. The, the Waratahs sort of lost it, uh, really, is what I think happened there. I mean, the Brumbies sort of received a little bit of criticism, um, mainly from uh, New Zealand fans, for supposedly taking the, the Highlanders' place in the quarterfinals um, because of the way the conference system works, uh, being the Australian conference winner, even though they had uh, fewer table points. So I thought they, um, 
I mean, they deserve to be in the quarterfinals. They won their conference. That's, that's all you have to do. But I don't think they um, did it very convincingly. And uh, I think that they were enormously helped by the sort of inexplicable implosion of the Waratahs this season. So, I no, sorry, Paul. No, go for it. Oh, well, I was going to say, I don't think, um, I mean, the Australian conference in itself and the amount of points that they scored can, compared to the other uh, in that whole Australasian conference, um, um, I mean, it, it sort of showed the standard of um, where the Australian teams were. But um, I mean, from the Brumbies' perspective, they they pretty well tracked um, where we expected, except they, they just didn't do themselves any favours in in uh, how they use their squad over the course of the season, which is why um, I've sort of knocked a, knocked a mark um, off them. So... Um, but just particularly the, the, the way they the way they play their game, they've always had this very good defensive record, but that doesn't necessarily put them in a good position uh, around scoring either. So, um, um, but overall, I mean, the Brumbies they made that they made that semi final position, but um, really, when you look at the points tables, um, I mean, their performance was was a lot a long way behind the Highlanders. Uh, yes, it was. I think it was the Blues that they really knocked out. I mean, the Blues uh, got a couple of points ahead of them, um, I think, in the table, which I think upset a lot of people. Uh, and um, I guess I should have wearing a, a Blues jersey. I should be a, one, one of those. But um, no, I, I personally think if you, you know the rules of the tournament before you go in. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's not a big thing for me. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, obviously, uh, you're right. I meant the Blues, not the Highlanders. Um, just wanted to jump in with a comment um, that's uh, too good to leave out, which was uh, um, in response to the question of how have the Jaguars been a success this season, uh, Mr. Rugby World Cups pointed out that they topped the Argentine Conference. And they will do next year as well. They, um... <laughs> nice. But not in future, because let's be honest, we're going to expand into Argentina. There's going to be two. There's going to be two teams there sooner or later, uh, or for all the contraction that's going to happen this season. Um, next up, the force uh, got an A from three of us. So, Mike, what were you expecting from the force that uh, for this season, or was this just uh, uh, just 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 a, a gut feel? Oh, mate, Jesus! I, I had no way, no answer for you. Like, compared to these guys, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, look, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm way out of my dick. <laughs> Not at all. This is all about opinions, uh, these things. And for me, with, with the force, the, the, they've, they've been uh, towards the bottom of the table. I didn't expect them to come anywhere near the top. Uh, I think they've, they've pulled together well. Um, they've also had injuries during the season uh, and pulled in quite a few um, club players. And so not even had their first choice lineup and to come second in the conference uh, under a cloud of them potentially all losing their jobs as well um, has shown great uh, character um, from them personally, uh, which is where they got my, my grade from. Um, yeah, yeah, totally agree, Paul. Um, I gave them an A for pretty much the same reasons. Uh, from, from the numbers point of view, they exceeded uh, our expectations. Um, but you just have to look at what was going on off the field, you know, um, you compare them with uh, the way the Rebels responded to the same sort of threat. And the force um, launched a massive campaign. They were all over social media. They secured some big names, uh, sort of Australian uh, names to, to back them. Um, I think I saw um, 
one of their state MPs came out in support of them. Uh, I don't really follow Australian politics. I know there's an awful lot of politicians. It was one of them uh, that came out uh, behind them. And, and you could see that there was just a sort of um, really sort of positive um, so I, I don't want to be too patronising, but Aussie battler kind of thing that went on with the Western Force side, um, which you didn't see uh, in, in the Rebels, for example. And uh, it showed on the field. They, they had a great season. Absolutely. Now, um, one of the things you mentioned was that the War you felt the Waratahs lost this conference rather than the Brumbies winning it. Um, personally, I thought the Reds, uh, I, had the Red I, mean, I had the Waratahs and Reds fighting it out at the top um, was how I saw this conference going to be. Um, hence the, the the low rankings those two. So, from a rugby numbers point of view, uh, so actually, let's do the Waratahs first. Um, Simon, we've all gone CDD because they're the champions from three years ago now. Is it? I think it is. Um, and they uh, have obviously a big. Rep they are one of the, the big reputation, one of the successful um, Australian uh, franchises. They've got Flau, they've got a whole bunch of Wallabies in there. Um, how come they, you, you think they've actually hit or been a par performance this year? The, the reason being, so basically where they rank, where they rank from, from our metrics in that Australasian pool, they're, they're, they're pretty well set um, around halfway in it. But the problem the Waratahs have at the moment is that the structure of the system that brings the players into the Waratahs is not allowing um, what gave the Waratahs um, the, 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 the Super Rugby title in 2014. So things have changed a lot for them and it's not allowing them to bring the players together in the same fashion uh, as what they did three years ago. So, so they, to an extent, are performing to capacity based on at the moment. So that's why I wasn't necessarily um, as harsh as you guys um, with them because they don't necessarily have a choice. The players on the field or the coach um, don't necessarily have a lot of control uh, over how they can perform. And just by the nature of the way um, the players come into the system. And that's because they're coming the, the shoot the shoot shield system? Uh, through the NRC. Oh, through the NRC, okay. Uh, yeah, and obviously, the, the, the well, not obviously, um, for those that don't know, I mean, the, the, if you look at over in Perth, you have one NRC team uh, to a Super Rugby team, the same in uh, in Melbourne uh, and in, down in Canberra. I think there's two up in um, uh, Brisbane, isn't it, where the Reds are, and then there's three or four um, in Sydney, which makes it a bit of a different. And also, you don't have the same coaches coaching it. I mean, Styles, mm -hmm. for example, did Brisbane City, uh, as head coach before he took over as head coach of the um, the Reds, and so there's a bit more continuity between those sides than there is down in Sydney. There is, yeah, there is, and so New South Wales originally, when the NRC started, had four, but now they're back to three. Um, and so teams like the Force, um, and this is one of the things that helped the Force uh, this year as well, was the fact that they're using their NRC much better than they have been in the past in previous seasons. They're actually using it as a more of a development for the, the development players as opposed to their Super AP players. So, but now they're using it a little bit better um, in that regard, and that's helping them along the way. And that was why um, the Rebels had a bit of a, a, a standout season last year, is that the way they were using their NRC team, that they didn't have the opportunity just in the nature of the way they signed players 
for this season. They didn't have an opportunity to use them in the NRC and then a few guys got injured in the NRC and so they didn't have that flow through and that was one of the reasons that um, the, the Rebels probably performed just below par or below expectation for us this season. Okay, yeah, and I, and I did an interview with um, uh, Zach, I've gone blank to his surname, uh, who was the forwards coach at the, um, the Rebels a couple of years ago, and he talked about how the fact that the playing in the NRC had given the players a lot more freedom um, and they could express themselves and try things, whereas uh, at Super Rugby level, they just uh, they, they, they don't feel they can try things as much, and so hence they don't develop their skills in the same way. And that's I guess that's part of, yeah, if you've not got that to, uh, opportunity to try things for... Um, eight or ten weeks, whatever it is, uh, then you you can't carry that through. Yeah. The um, so then the Reds, uh, obviously from a an emotional point of view, myself and Mike have both given them a D. Uh, to me, they had the best side on paper in Australia uh, with their signings. Um, but from an analytical point of view, guys, you you both um, two grades up. Yeah, so the Reds, um, I mean, I didn't really buy into the preseason hype, to be honest. Um, uh, it's, it's not soccer, right? You can't put a bunch of individuals on the field and just expect them to somehow become a high-performing team. Uh, I think um, uh, I remember discussing on Twitter with uh, someone who hadn't realised just how few matches they'd actually won about halfway through the season. Sort of the hype continued for the first few rounds, um, even though they weren't actually performing particularly well. And that was um, pretty much how our forecast went for the Reds. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we just expected um, more of the same, which is which is basically what they delivered. So I don't think they were particularly awful, um, but I think our expectations were just a little bit lower. They, we're talking about, we're talking about people like George Smith with 100 um, or nearly 100 what, Wallabies caps and... Uh, um, uh, um, Stephen Moore coming back home as the Wallabies captain. I mean, we're, we're talking big name players here who should be able to, they've got experience, who should be able to sort of just step in and uh, pick up their game, surely. Mm. No, so the, the, uh, um, is it that lack of cohesion, Simon, that you, that you saw there? That, that because they are just been, been signed in as, as big name players? Uh, definitely. So, um, I mean, one thing people talk about Stephen Moore coming home or Scott Higginbotham coming back to the Reds, um, that's all very well, but um, Stephen Moore's coming back to a team that he, he virtually hasn't played with any of the guys um, on the team and likewise with Scott Higginbotham. So, and even if, you know, George Smith has all the skills in the world, it still takes that time uh, to create those relationships and so for people to understand how he plays. And, and still, at the breakdown, George Smith is great. But, uh, you know, around the park, understanding how other people work um, in the defensive line, like that's the really important thing. And you, you just have to look at the, you know, the points against record for the Reds this year was pretty poor. And that's an indication of, for us, that's an indication of, of how they were working together. And the... Uh a couple of uh, comments on the YouTube was um, Queensland was Dad's Army, and uh, which I think is a tad harsh, maybe, um, on there. Um, it, is, but, so, it is harsh. So when, you know, when the All Blacks won the World Cup in 2011, I think it was statistically the oldest team ever to win. But it comes back down to, it ultimately comes back down to purity of, of, before, of, purity of experience. 
if guys are old but they've played a lot together, then it doesn't matter. If guys are really young and they've played a lot together, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and that's the key. So the Sharks uh, a few years ago had a really young group, but they were performing. Um, so it comes back down to um, it's, it's that experience together that's the key. The um, Yeah, and, 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 and if we're going to go for, for World Cups um, size, I mean, 2003, obviously, with England, um, was another one of those which was, which was referred to as a dad's army. Um, I went through and what it again a team that had built up over a couple of world or world cups and or at least one world cup um before uh, and grown had grown together um so i think we've run through all the teams here so so uh, um brumby's uh, transition uh, but won it force um used their uh, nrc well uh, and therefore managed to perform ahead of um, what we'd normally expect um the tars and reds in a situation where actually whilst they've got uh, the names uh, and the highlights not put together or not working together much and therefore struggling. Uh, and then finally, the Rebels who signed a bunch of players and couldn't bring them through the, the, the normal system um, and therefore um, performed uh, poorly as well is kind of the story, I think, around the Australian side. So um, moving on now uh, to the one that we perhaps, uh, a lot of us know the best, um, because we are based, or, or three, three of us are based in New Zealand, um, is the New Zealand Conference. And uh, as you can imagine, um, having got three, uh, sorry, four play, four of the teams into the uh, finals, generally the grades are at the higher level. Um, so for those uh, listening on the podcast, uh, the Crusaders got straight A's, um, being champions, unsurprisingly. The Hurricanes got an A, B, B, A. The Chiefs got an A, C, B, A. Um, Highlanders, B, D, B, A. And then the Blues, B, D, D, A. At the bottom of there. Um, kicking us off uh, at the top, um, the Crusaders obviously won the whole thing uh, and therefore they've been given an A. Uh, did you, how many of you, um, did everyone not see them making the final then uh, beforehand? Because uh, to, to, or was making the final perhaps perhaps a, a par performance um, for them. So then, um, we uh, our forecast had the Lions and the Hurricanes as the most likely finalists. Uh, we had expected the Crusaders to get knocked out during the playoffs, um, probably by the Hurricanes. Uh, so they exceeded our expectations um, in that they made the final. Um, and even going into the final, uh, we had the Lions as favourites uh, to win that. Um, I mean, I would point out that it didn't factor in. Our, our prediction didn't factor in uh, the Lions playing with 14 men for the rest for half the match. But that happens. And if you want to win a final, then you don't uh, uh, make a tackle like Quagga did. But um, we gave the Crusaders an A. Um, even if they hadn't won, they, they outperformed what we thought they would do this season. Um, and uh, even even if they hadn't, it's hard not to give an A to the champions. But Mike, you're one of the few that called it um, early on. Personally, I thought the Crusaders, with a change of management, um, would be sat in third or fourth place. But you, you quite early on said that you that you thought they were um, going to go well. Yeah, well, I mean, back in January, it was just a, a hunch more than anything else because, you know, it's been a, a while since they've had the title and we all know the history of the Crusaders. But um, pretty early on in, in the comp, they, they just looked like um, a different team. 
um, and there's just been so clinical, like I've said in, on the show, inside that, that red zone, you know, they get into the 22, they score tries, and then they just come away with penalties. And yes, the world teams do that, but I'll say this defensively as well, um, just second to none. And I think the the culture, um, because let's not forget, you know, we're only a couple of years out, out from DC, leaving from a call, leaving. Um, but, you know, the culture that Scott Robinson has brought in and the way he's sort of mentored those young players like, you know, Richard Mawanga, who he had a great impact on in uh, EPC, you know. Um, Simon, you probably had the stats behind this, but I, I remember seeing a tweet from um, the Auckland rugby saying that they had a, um, a player playing in every single Super Rugby team um, one weekend. So the connection between uh, Canterbury and the Crusaders, or well, at least, I mean, Auckland and the Blues, isn't kind of there. Is 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 there more of that that connection there through the Canterbury and Crusaders, and so there wasn't such a an impact from the the coaching change? Um, yes, well, that, that's right. That's a great thing about the Crusaders and and the fact that they brought through a Cantabrian um, into their head coach position is just an example of the way they do things in Canterbury. And half the half the issue them is not necessarily an issue. Half the thing there is that they don't have a choice about the way they do it. They don't necessarily have a massive player pool. It's it's almost that the way that the Crusaders has become is a function of the environment that they're in important for them to understand about what's actually brought them success and the way they that they bring it through and in fact it's almost like the the crusaders are opposite to the blues uh, in that but just with with the crusaders the really interesting thing about them is that because they've managed to give the bulk of the all blacks over the last umpteen years they're the Crusaders' winning percentage at the beginning of Super Rugby seasons has actually been very, very poor. But by the end of the season, they've absolutely been flying. But what's happened over the last five, six, seven years is they just haven't been able to get that that home final or that really good run at the end of the season. But because they jagged those wins at the beginning of the season, even though they still did have the all-black hangover, as we call it, that put them in this really positive position and to go to to go to South Africa and to win in South Africa is pretty amazing. There were other circumstances behind it, and potentially with 15 men, it could have been a different result for the Lions. As you can see, they, they turned it around in the second half. But that's just the nature of what the Crusaders is about, that they can withhandle that pressure in the nature of the team. They can travel overseas. So when they won in, um, when they lost in 2011, the year that they played every game away from home, because their stadium was wrecked and they, they played a semi-final in South Africa and won that and then came back to Australia and then lost the final by a point. And that is just indicative of the nature of what makes up the Crusaders and that's part of the, 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 the nature of the way they bring their players through and the way their programs work. Yeah, guys like Matt Todd and um, Ryan Cody really stand out, you know, they have how many years have they served under Robinson and Co and, you know, in the provincial championship and they've just been leaders. Um, we are, as in up until recently, probably had to play second fiddle to some of the more senior Crusaders, but this this year in particular, they really stood up and led, led the team, I think, more than really White Rock and, and Reed did. White Rock's a great captain, but 
That's totally agree. And the fact that the, the Crusaders can have, I, mean, I think they had three um, first fives leave while Carter was still there that were of super rugby standards. This says something about the way they can bring their players through um, and that they, they have that ability to, um, uh, to keep them. And that's the important thing, like you said, um, about those players that have done their time. Yeah, and Todd and Cross here too that you've kind of surprised are haven't taken the the European uh, pound or or, or Euro um, at some point and are still uh, fighting it out and now they're getting their turn well at least Crowley's getting his turn um, in in the All Blacks um, jersey. Um, so on the the Hurricanes, I thought personally they also did well. Uh, yet fine, they are the reigning champions, um, but not anymore. They, but not although sorry, they were the reigning champions um, going into this. Um, and uh, um, now, Will, I know part of it is is that they didn't defend it, and you're from Wellington. Uh, so, was uh, did did that? Uh, did did you were you purely analytical on this one, or did you let some emotion get into you, uh, get in this way? This one. Uh, look, I my uh, model is unbiased, but I'm certainly not. Um, I was frustrated with them. I thought um, they certainly had the. Um, a, they certainly had a chance at making the final and winning the final. A very strong team. Um, and I just uh, thought that even putting aside my own uh, biases, um, they probably should have got further in the competition. And I just thought they... Uh, ex- um, if I, sorry, if I go back to what I said before, they, they were um, the second most likely team to make the final according to our pre-season forecast. And so I guess it's just a combination of the fact that they... Um, didn't, uh, which meant my forecast was wrong, and also as a fan, I was disappointed they didn't make it. I had to give them a B. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I mean, they, they dropped a couple of crucial games that, you know, you could argue that they were in positions to win as well, and I think that semi-final um, is probably the best example of that, you know, in a position to win it, um, and, you know, really should have won it, to be honest, and we can talk until the cows come home about how great the Lions were and how they came back in that match. But the the Hurricanes were really, in, in a lot of ways, the, um, the victims of their own demise in that semi-final in particular. With the Hurricanes, if you just look at their record over the season, they actually had the best points for it, the best points for record, the best points against record. They scored, they had the, the second least tries scored against them. So on paper, they they probably, they performed as good, uh, well, if better than anybody else, but just the nature of the competition meant that they didn't get to the final. I think the, the games against the, the Chiefs that they dropped, the ones they, they should have won, um, particularly the one at Westpac Stadium. Um, and, I mean, yes, they did the Crusaders in the last round-robin game, but they... You know, they were odds on to maybe beat them in, in the, the game in Christchurch as well. They just didn't perform on the night. I guess um, and, uh, seeing those stats there, but not get, but the Crusaders getting the wins, but not having the most points uh, for, or the best records for and against, shows how tight a lot of those Crusaders games were. Um, and that came down to uh, key moments. Uh, obviously, the, the one that sticks out in my mind is Hunt's drop goal um, from a long way out. Uh, to win the game uh, against, uh, I think it was the Highlanders, wasn't it? Uh, the uh, So 
there are um, that I guess yeah, that goes to show how narrow some of these margins are um, around win and loss. Uh, there was these... a there was a truly outrageous moment. This, just the audacity to even attempt to drop goal uh, at that point of the match um, from that far out it was uh, pretty pretty amazing. Um, just wanted to call out a couple of uh, Twitter comments. Paul um, uh, Rugby Twit has meant made the comment that surely only the Crusaders have a pass mark. The others would have seen the title as a measure of success. So that's probably true for four of the five New Zealand teams. Um, uh, perhaps the Blues would have seen making the playoffs as a measure of success. I'm not sure quite how high they set their sights this season. Um, and I also just wanted to jump in on a uh, argument that's been going on since the first question uh, between uh, Rugby Twit and Mercury um, and suggest that maybe it's just time to move on and uh, talk about the New Zealand conference because uh, I think you guys have sort of lost track of what's, what's happening here. Well, Super Rugby is not just about the New Zealand teams, though. You know, we, we need to, we need to, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, that, that, I, I've got a, yes, I've got a funny feeling. I'm, I'm not, not following it totally, closely, but yeah, I think there's a lot of comments around, yeah, whether the Lions play on New Zealand teams or not is, is what uh, was referring to. Yeah, we should move on from that. Um, so that's the top two. Into, onto the Chiefs now. Um, I thought personally the Chiefs um, did, uh, did well. They um, had a lot of injuries. Uh, if, you, if you're playing um, a Beaver as at number 12 for a lot of the season, um, that's not the best uh, sort of inside centre. He's, he, he's going to get run through occasionally. Um, so I thought they coped well with the injuries. Um, then had to travel uh, across to South Africa and then back to New Zealand uh, in the finals. Uh, that amount of travel means you've got to be odds-on to lose. So to me, um, I thought they had a, they, they, they had a good season. Um, overall, Mike, you're you're in uh, obviously in Hamilton. You get to all their games, uh, but you um, is that obviously that's going to be an emotional see. Is that because you want to see them see the final again, or do you think actually the, the performances also haven't been up to scratch this season? Well, the thing is, I think they've dealt with um, the injuries and you know better than they did last season because um, last season was a shambles in that regard and. Um, but again, I just there wasn't the leadership on the field in crucial moments this season, and and um, you know I never saw them going any further than the semi final. I uh, don't know why. Maybe I'm a critic, but um, there was so much talk during the the year, the season about everyone who was leaving, and and you know, and it, it just I think yeah. I, <sighs> Can't really put it more than that, you know. That they, they just something wasn't quite right in the in the squad this year. So you know, culturally, the message just got uh, yeah. was, was was off was off key on this one. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, they were their culture got took quite a hit with what happened at the end of last season, and um, you know they that was in the forefront of their minds. I think if you read between the lines this year. Um, yeah, but too much was made about everyone who was leaving, and um, yeah. Which, when you got uh, Hugh Rothwell saying on Twitter, "Yep, end of an era for the Chiefs," uh, and and it has been, but it's been. Whereas you can see the Lions in some ways maybe up their game because Ackerman was leaving. Um, in contrast, we're not sort of seeing that from the Chiefs um, with with a whole bunch of guys leaving. Um, the but so Simon, you you still give them an A again? Uh, they've 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 overperformed compared to to what you expect. 
Uh, well, they, they matched expectations. So both the Chief and the Highlanders sort of really played to um, where, um, played to the capacity um, that we expected them to compared to the rest of the competition. Right. And I guess when he has finals time, I'll agree the, that uh, whether they could have picked up some more during the season. Um, the uh, there. So, okay. So that's where those ones are. Um, moving on to the Highlanders. Um, champions, obviously, from two years ago. Uh, I've given them a B uh, because I think they'd be wanting to, to get further um, than the first round or the, the quarterfinals um, of the finals. Um, Mike, uh, you've gone down with a D. You obviously expect them to get the. There's only four teams can make the semi-finals, but I guess you you think that their expectations are more more to hit that semi-final stage. Yeah, I think so. I think they're a much better side than you know than what they they put out on the field this year. And, and yes, they they're a team that probably relies on their All Blacks players a bit more than than other teams, but. Um, uh, I think the start of the season for them really hurt. And um, yes, there, there are factors at play. Um, it's a bloody tough conference in New Zealand one. And if you drop a couple of games early, um, then, you know, you'll play and catch up for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, probably a bit tough giving them a D. But um, I thought guys like Sokawanga probably didn't have the, uh, the what they needed this season. Uh, I think it's another one. Yes, there were injuries, and but yeah. So, so a lot of us talk about the the Highlanders and say they're reliant on um, they're all blacks. So um, Aaron Smith, Sopuanga, uh, Fikatoa, Naholo, uh, and Ben Smith in particular. Um, is that how you see it from an analytical point of view as well? Uh, uh, no. So Highlanders are a really interesting team. So in. I don't know if, if people remember. So after 2012, they they brought in um, Brad Thorne, Ma Nonu, Tony Woodcock, um, somebody else, can't remember. Anyway, so current All Blacks. Uh, I remember the quotes in the Otago Times from um, the captain, McIntosh, Jamie, um, terrible haircut, I remember, um, saying that... Um, um, you, get, you, know, you get all the key facts here on Hashrabi Chat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, look, the start of the Super Rugby season, I, it's like the highlight is let's see the bad haircuts coming out of the New Zealand um, teams this year. But um, but it was really about that at the time they said, all right, we've got now we've got these stars on board. We, we're going to take the next step. So we're going to step up. So we've got these All Blacks. We've got these new blokes. And they basically in 2013 they won three games after getting after getting all these blokes on board. So then after that season, got rid of them and they went really back to their core feeders in there. And I remember seeing in 2015, in fact, I was on the sideline um, coding uh, coding a game for the Melbourne Rebels in a trial. And I honestly looked at the Highlanders and said, I have no clue who any of these blokes are because of the, the way they, the nature of the way they drew the, the players. And that so it's not... So what I'm trying to say is it's not just the All Blacks in there, even though they're obviously very, very good players, but just the nature of the way they put that team together is allowed to probably perform above the the, the level that you would expect with the, the, the skill of the individuals. And so that's the, that's the really strong thing about the Highlanders um, in the fact that the way they went back to essentially grassroots or back to their core feeders to, to bring their team through. 
but they've still got, I mean, they've got I mean, Fekitoa and the Holo both were at the Blues previously. So I mean, they've got those guys from up north. Um, I mean, Fekitoa's back playing for the um, for Auckland in the Mysen Cup this season. So it's not like they're built just from Southland uh, and carrying no, it through in the, in the same way that we true. see. That's very true. But they've been there. This is the thing. They've been there for a while. And that's the key. It's not It's not necessarily a case of the fact that you are from Southland or um, around that area. It's, it's basically that time together, which is... Um, which makes the the conversation about the blues when we talk about the blues around the nature of what they do even more interesting. Considering what you said before about how many blues players are playing in the other conferences. And uh, Will, any final points on? If you're else, a shot at the Highlanders, do you want to have a go? Uh, no, I I think the Highlanders um, basically went pretty much as expected this season. I didn't. Uh, I, I expected they would make the playoffs, but I didn't think they'd make the final, and that's, uh, that's what happened. So no pearls of wisdom for me on that one. I, I, so one final point, I think, is I think that, that well, for me, the, the, the reliance on the All Blacks piece comes from two years ago, where uh, in the World Cup year, they, the games they seemed to lose were the ones where they had to rest the All Blacks, um, and then they went on to win the title. So that's why I thought they were overly reliant on the All Blacks, and I think they've lost, I think, over the last couple of years, that, that that reliance has dropped off some, um, but I think back in um, 2015, uh, for me that was the, they they the, they seemed to lose whenever they rested um, the two Smiths and Sopawanga. Um but I think that's changed now with and players like Buckman, uh, Fathers, mm-hmm. uh, who have been around a few more years now, uh, um, carry the team, and Marty Banks has been down there for a while as well, uh, the, the team more. And perhaps that's not true, but um, that's my kind of feeling feeling from it the final team the blues well my team um i've given them a b uh mike and rugby numbers have both given them a d uh which i um now for me i gave them a b on the grounds that um for me an a would have been beating a new zealand side they or or making the 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 the, the, um the finals to me losing every single game to a new zealand team uh is poor and nearly um dropped into a c for me um I think that perhaps their path performance should have had at least one victory against the New Zealand side. Um, but they did beat the British and Irish Lions. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to count that in here or not, uh, because that's not a super rugby game. But um, that's why I gave them a B. Um, starting first off, um, Will, with yours on the, uh, the the D, everyone seems to think that be, they've stepped up from last season. Are you saying results-wise you don't think they have done? Well, I originally gave them a C. Um because I thought that they had uh, done slightly worse than expected. I, I guess I had expected them to be considerably better than last season if they're supposedly rebuilding, but I didn't really see enough consistency from them to convince me that they actually had made a substantive gain. Um, so I gave them a C, and then I remember that they um, were the losers of the biggest upset uh, of the entire season. That match against the Sunwolves, not only was it the... Um, uh, I wrote about this on my blog. Not only was it the um, least probable win of the season, but it was also the largest winning margin uh, by a team that wasn't expected to win. It was just unlike any other match this season. And sure, you can throw it away and say, well, they had nothing to play for. They weren't going to make the playoffs. It was 40 degrees hot, all this kind of stuff. But good teams don't yeah. give up. Good teams win, even if the game doesn't matter. And I just thought, there's something missing that I think went missing during during um, JK's coaching uh, tenure and hasn't come back under Tana, which is just that mental edge. 
it just doesn't seem to be there. Um, I don't see a lot of, I don't want to be too critical, but I don't see players stepping up. There's a lot of looking around, waiting for someone else to do something. You see quite a few occasions when a high ball just comes down in the middle of a group of three players. And I just think that's the kind of stuff that needs to be weeded out. Uh, I just didn't see many encouraging signs for Blues this season. Uh, not counting that Lions game, of course, because that wasn't part of Super Rugby. That, that Sunwolves game, the Blues had lost that game before they even got on the field. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff that happened on that holiday hasn't even come out in the media yet. Looking forward to that happening. Um, listen, I mean, yeah, okay, it might contradict what I said about the, Hur- the Highlanders, but when you got, like, the, they've got the names in this team to do a lot better than what they've done um, for the last few seasons. I think there's some sort of issue, culture issue within this team. On game day, I think they're, you know, they're, they're committed and they're really, really good, but there's something happening during the week um, that Tana Rumara hasn't been able to fix. JK wasn't able to fix it. It's been going on for a long time. And, um, boy, I can't see... I just, I'd love to see how, how we can give this team an A, to be honest. Looking forward to that, that one. <laughs> so, before we get to that, just very quickly, Jack uh, on YouTube has corrected me. The correct, the Blues did draw with the Chiefs. They didn't um, lose every game against New Zealand sides, but they didn't win one either. Uh, all right, let's go, go on, Simon. Explain, explain the A. Okay, so the A, the reason I gave the, the A's there is because they matched expectation. So by our rankings, they were bottom of the New Zealand, out of the New Zealand team. So there's no surprise that they performed against the other New Zealand teams where they were. The fact that they lost against the Sunwolves, you talk about the Blues as a team losing against the Sunwolves, but you've got to be conscious about the amount of changes they made for that game. So it's like the classic, it's a classic example of when Ireland beat the All Blacks last year. The, the fact that the All Blacks made some changes in some, some specific positions which impacted the team, but everyone just assumes it is a team. It is the team that performed perform X, Y, Z all the time. And so you're going against the Sunwolves, but what, what was put on the field was not was not necessarily the Blues team that people expected. So so that's one thing about it. But the other thing about the Blues is, and, and, and Paul, you made that, the comment very early on about the tweet about so many Auckland players playing in the other provinces, and that's the classic example. The, one of the reasons why the Crusaders are very good is exactly the same reason in the fact that they don't necessarily have a lot of access to talent. They don't necessarily have a lot of resources, which is almost the opposite for the Blues. The Blues have the biggest access to talent of all the New Zealand provinces, which actually works in their disadvantage because they can actually pick and choose where it comes from. They've got so much, it has to go. So when they bring in people, people move off as well. So, so the interesting thing for the Blues is because they don't have these tight funnels, Let's say that the, the All Blacks do, uh, sorry, that the Crusaders do, it means they don't have what we measure, the cohesion in the team. And that's what our numbers say. And so we talk about these things like the players, are, you know, they don't necessarily have heart and all those sort of things. Um, and, and the example the, the, the example we heard before about, you know, three players under the high ball, that is communication. And that comes back down to a team having um, cohesion in it to make those decisions. And that's the thing that the Blues don't have at the moment because of the way they are bringing their players in. That when you look at the classic 
All Blacks team is probably the best All Black team of all time. The 87 All Blacks were essentially Auckland and Auckland was essentially made of two clubs out of Auckland. And that's the big difference at the moment, where the players are coming from and how they're being funneled in and how they're being. So all the skill in the world is not going to get you the results if you don't bring them together in the right way. And that's the issue with the Blues at the moment. It's not necessarily an issue with the coaches. It's not necessarily an issue with the players. It's just the way they've been brought together. Down in Canterbury, they've got a pretty successful rugby academy that a lot of the famous Crusaders and future Blacks have have come out of. Um, I think, like, a lot of players actually don't want to play for the Blues. And, and, you know, that is... We need to ask why. You know, I mean, Damien McKenzie was offered a very, very lucrative deal with the the Blues, where he would have been, you know, the man calling all the shots, essentially, turned it down. Um, I don't know. I just think it... Sometimes it goes a bit beyond the actual, um, yeah. I see, I see your point, but. Is it for all the Twitter or followers out there? Who did Dan Carter play? Who was he reserved to in, in the South Island school team? No, I'll, I'll put that out there. And this says something about the talent of what, say, something like the Crusaders can do, the nature of what the Crusaders is. Because Dan Carter, we know that he's Dan Carter. But he wasn't always Dan Carter. So he didn't play. He didn't make New Zealand schools when he was. He actually played under somebody else in um, South Island schools. So let's see if anyone can pick that one. Yeah, that's right. I think um, I, it's perhaps not directly related, but it just reminds me of a great quote I remember from Aaron Cruden uh, when he first came onto the international scene, and he was just asked, um, you know, you've been you've been called the next Dan Carter. How does it feel to be called the next Dan Carter? And he just said, well, I'm not the next Dan Carter. I'm the first Aaron Cruden, which, you know, sort of sums it up, you know, and I think that's perhaps not an original quote. I think it's been used, uh, I'm trying to remember now, it was either an NFL or an NBA player who made the same comment. Um, but there's no shortage of talent. Why, why do they need to try and replicate what's already out there? Um, you, you know, these strong players carve out these niches for themselves and, make themselves distinctive in some way. Um, you know, why is an All Blacks squad going to select two Dan Carters when you can have a Dan Carter and an Aaron Cruden? Yeah, and that's so they can change it up. So the one, uh, there was a, a question in the YouTube, which I think we'll, probably, we'll finish it off on, which was uh, which from Deckcom20 said, can you ask the panel to rate Tanner in his first year as a super coach? Well, it's not first year, it's second year. Um, personally, uh, I think he's doing a decent job. I think it's moving forwards. Um, perhaps uh, he, he needs, uh, I think there's, there's a core of uh, county players there, but perhaps he needs to be uh, not selected from wider, as wider group. We'll try and get more of them into counties uh, if that's where he's going to have his base from rather than Auckland. Uh, but um, the but personally, I think he's doing okay as a super coach, um, and uh, I think we should they should stick with him. Uh, from... Um, Mike's comments, I think we've had already some of the culture issue there, you think that he hasn't got hold of yet. Um, but so... Um, Tucker's a good good coach. And um, yes, he should stay there, but he's hamstrung by some management issues that are going on further up than just the actual team and what we see on, on match day. And um, when that gets resolved, things will change. But, you know... 
Yeah, so I agree. Stay uh, he, minutes, you know. <laughs> he, he got a bit of a hospital pass, didn't he, um, coaching the Blues. But, I mean, the Blues haven't gone backwards underneath Tana. You know, he sort of um, arrested the, the slide in their um, performance that's been going on, probably over the last 10 years, to be honest. Um, so he's sort of managed to level things out. And you do see glimpses all through the season. You see glimpses of what the Blues team can be when they get it together. But, yeah, like you say, perhaps it's um, off-field um, influences or something's going on, which just causes this frustrating inconsistency. And I think probably they'd be shooting themselves in the foot if they um, ditched Tana. Uh, you know, they need continuity. They need to build um, sort of a solid, uh, I guess it's a bit of a title cliche, but they need to build a solid platform. They need to have um, consistent coaching staff and consistent players. Um, and they've given enough glimpses to show that there is improvement to be had. Uh, I just can't see it happening uh, overnight. Uh, and just uh, wrapping it all up now, guys, uh, any final thoughts about the season you want to give us um, before we uh, before we sign off? Yeah, um, we've talked about Sanzar and the structure of the, the competition on the show, and um, something really needs to change and change fast. Further, further expansion is not the answer. Um, I can see the benefits of it, but, you know, it's so confusing that the structure of this competition and at least to the, the average guy who doesn't, you know, not, nowhere near as intelligent as these other two here. Um, well, not only is the um, conference system confusing, um, but it's unfair as well. And I mean, I can understand where Sansa are coming from to have a, a sort of double round Robin where every team plays every other team. Um, you're looking at over 300 games. It's completely impractical. Um, yeah. So you've got to do something to come up with a, a system that works for everybody, especially all the geographic distances that have to be covered. What they've come up with this season is, uh, it's, uh, I'll call it suboptimal. It's, it's, it's pretty terrible. And uh, I saw some suggestions for next year, which um, eliminate some of the rules around um, which teams from which pairs of conferences can qualify and so on. So simplify the whole thing down, um, and I'm hoping that that's the direction they're heading. Uh, Merit-based positions in the playoffs. Sorry, Paul. I was going to say. I mean, ultimately, you would expect the best team is going to win, regardless. However, um, the way the system's set up, it does make it hard for people like ourselves to actually work out how teams are going to perform overall. So. Um, it does make it difficult, which which in turn does make it difficult for the fans, and potentially that's one of the some of the poor showing come the final time. Um, that potentially the fans are were probably a little over it um, by the end as well. So, um, but it is it is difficult, but unfortunately it's the nature of the sport and the nature of the competition here. Yeah, I think the, the, the negative press around this season, this whole season and the structures has definitely led to uh, drops attendances, drops uh, viewerships as well. If you've got negativity around something, why do people make the effort to go see it? Um, and so a lot of the negative press, uh, both uh, in the paid press and the amateur press or, or alternative press, whatever you want to call it, uh, has definitely led to that. Uh, and so, yeah, it has been a sad season on that side of things. Um, on the good side is we have ended up with the best two teams or um, or two of the best the best teams at the sharp end of the tournament. Um, whether uh, with I mean, you can argue whether the Hurricanes are 
were, were, were better than the, than, than the last two. But I mean, they were there at the sharp end anyway. But the, so um, thankfully, we have ended up with that, um, as you say, which is good. Uh, and last season, again, we had the top teams um, ending up at the sharp end. So despite, um, I think is what everyone has been saying, despite the format, we have ended up with a good game and an exciting one. Uh, unfortunately, um, we've lost fans um, along the way. Uh, two things, I think. One is is, the, is is that structure, but also, secondly, is just the lack of the uncertainty and the lack of leadership we've seen, especially out of Australia, uh, going into next year, uh, is a big problem um, for Super Rugby, uh, and that does need to get itself um, sorted out. Uh, I, I understand Mike's issue about uh, expansion. I think the reason that we've had this problem is expansion has been done badly, um, rather than expansion is necessarily a bad thing. And I think, again, also conference has been done badly rather than necessarily a bad thing. We've seen it work in the States. It can work, but it needs to be, it needs to be done structured better and also um, sold better through the media in both uh, an education of the fans, uh, is my view. And with that... The, right, the, the last thing we want is something, and this will never happen, but like, can you imagine if Super Rugby was split, whereas you know, one conference fights for that particular trophy and, and, and the other one fights for this, you know. I mean, where does it stop, I guess, you know? Well, either you end up with a Tier 1 conference in the Americas or we're going to end up with Super Rugby or Pro 14 being a global um, Tier mm. 1 conference system. There's going to have to be some way of getting of, of growing the game. Um, but, I mean, in the States, they do play for NFC, uh, sorry, the AFC versus the NFC, um, to play for the NFL final. So there is that way of doing it. And I think if you're going to split South Africa and Australia, you need to make a clean split, not a three, four, not a three, five split, which is, which has confused everybody. Um, and that's where I think they went wrong with that one. Anyway, we are over time. Um, thank you very much, um, for joining me. Um, Mike, when you give a quick, uh, let everyone know quickly where they can get hold of you and have a chat if they want to afterwards. Cool, yeah, you oh, might need a bit of education on the stats because, boy, oh, boy, got skilled tonight. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter, um, at RealMikePullman, and uh, also go to lastwordonrugby.com, uh, where I'm one of the editors there. Got some good rugby championship coverage coming up very shortly. Uh, Will, why do you let people know where they can get hold of you? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Rugbynumbers.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at rugbynumbers. Uh, and in the next few days, I'll be putting out um, the inaugural Rugby Numbers uh, Season Awards, where I'll be uh, pulling out the teams with the best offense, the best defense, and a few other bits and pieces as well. So look out for that. Thank you very much. And thank you, Simon, uh, for a special guest tonight from Gain Line Analytics. Um, please do let people know where they can get hold of you. Uh, yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, so our website's www.gainline.biz and uh, Twitter at GL Analytics um, and um, subscribe to our um, company publication, the Gainline Report, for all things sport and analytics. And thank you very much for the insights you've given us tonight around uh, the connectivity and all that kind of stuff. Um, Thank you, everybody. I am Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. Please remember to subscribe for um, to uh, in your podcast so it gets onto your phone. Um, or subscribe to this YouTube channel as well. Um, to we'll be back again next week, having a preview of the Rugby Championship and also probably some Mitre Ten Cup chat as well. So please do join us for that 8 p.m. 
uh, New Zealand time next Tuesday.